I'm Pat Whalen. And I'm Mike Field. And throughout the history of cinema, nothing can compare with the phenomena of the MCU. Each episode, we'll tackle one film and discuss the differences between the comic book and what's on screen. We'll explore the growth of the Marvel Cinematic Universe from its inception to present day and beyond. And we'll have a little fun along the way. We may not have been first or second or even 48th, but we're hoping you'll take the journey with us into the MCU as we are yet another MCU podcast. You can find us on Instagram or wherever you get your podcasts today. I'm Mike Field. I'm Mike Butler. It's October. You know what that means. Another month of forgotten horror. Join us for four weeks of forgotten horror films. Mike, what are they? John Carpenter's Vampires, The House with a Clock in Its Walls, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark, and the 2013 remake of Evil Dead. Ooh, sounds scary. It is. So mark your calendars every Wednesday in October for Forgotten Horror, where you can listen to the scariest in forgotten cinema. We're back and we're scary. Get some! Hello, and welcome to another episode of Post Game presented by Two Player Bros. <laughs> That's Dave. And I'm Mike. <laughs> so in this episode, we're going to be talking about <laughs> Remedy Entertainment's Control, which came out in August of last year. Won a bunch of Game of the Year awards, although apparently GameSpot did not like it, looking at the Wikipedia page, which I think is weird. <laughs> Probably single-handedly bringing down its Metacritic score. Uh, so... We're talking about this game, one, because it's a really good game, and I know I know you talked about liking it, and you were kind of surprised I never actually really went through with playing it uh, mm-hmm. last year, and they just came out with the newest AWE expansion, the last of their expansions. So we played through it, or you had already played through it. I played through it and did the expansions, and now we're going to talk about it. Let's do it. <laughs> so general thoughts first. Dave, you want to go first? Uh Sure. I think that Control is a really cool game. <laughs> uh, no, I think it's a lot of fun. I think it it does a really good job of making you feel like a god, you know, like making you feel super powerful. Oh, yeah. But without making the game super easy at the same time, um, I feel like you're regularly needing, you regularly need to be intelligent with what you're doing in the game. Um, but like when you just like, kill someone with like your throw attack or whatever. It's just so satisfying. You feel so powerful. Of course, you know, you get hit by one rocket and you're down at half health and you're almost dead. Yeah. You're you're like, (laughs) crap, what did I get myself into? But no, I think it does such a great job. uh, Combat wise. I, I, for as much as I'm sure you're going to tell me how much you love the, uh, like all the, the weird, like mind bendy stuff that doesn't do a ton for me, but the combat in this game just feels fantastic i do think the game is interesting enough it's very unique in the way they design the world and the the oldest house in general is just a really cool world to explore and yeah i don't know i'm just a big fan of the game i would agree (laughs) i I am a big fan of the weirdness obviously the game is definitely much like the alan wake game that came before it in the remedy i guess we're calling it the remedy verse now or some people are when did we call it this (laughs) we just watched a video where somebody called it that i don't think remedy has their own name for it yet they, their official announcement was there's going to be another game in the, the Alan Wake slash Control universe, so they don't have a name for it yet either. But I do enjoy that Twin Peaks X-Files kind of crossbreed that they do. But like you said, the game would... It's so weird 
that the game would still be nothing if it didn't feel that great. Like this game feels like you said, amazing. You feel powerful. The throw, the throw move feels really good. And we were just talking about off air. You know, I talked about how I, I think had I played this last year, this would have been my game of the year last year. Part of that isn't just the story. It's how good everything feels. You know, Jedi Fallen Order came out and you said that was probably years from last year. I think the force throw, quote unquote, that she can, that Jesse does in this game feels so much better than Jedi. Oh, um, yeah, does. yeah. No, absolutely. The guns feel really good. And if the ability to upgrade them, my rocket launcher uh, one, my charge mode on my gun, which we'll get into the, the gun, feels so good with his explosion mode, especially with the mods put in where the explosion almost takes up the entire room and almost kills me half the time. <laughs> but it's just so fun and so rewarding to play as this kind of super powered, awesome character where you feel rewarded to keep playing and upgrading your character. Their upgrades feel worth it and you feel more and more, like you said, like a god. It is an X-Files type game, but it really is also almost a superhero game. Yeah, no, for it's, sure. got, yeah. it's for sure a superhero game. It's, it's really cool. Absolutely. I love the, the gun. What's the name for the gun? The service weapon. The service weapon, yeah. We, we, we did Vanquish a few episodes ago and we were talking about how cool his gun was, like how it like transforms on his arm or whatever. Her pistol's way cooler. <laughs> <laughs> I love her pistol. I keep the, uh, you never really get to see it. I, I would almost love a gallery mode where I can just kind of see the pistol more closely because mm -hmm. with the third person mode, it's always a little far away from you and you can't really appreciate all the detail because it keeps moving even after you change forms and it's just so cool. Yeah, I love watching it morph and like when it's like kind of just, sometimes it's almost just floating near you. You're not even holding it sometimes in like a weird way, especially with the, the charge power up where you could see like the, what would you call like those like, radiated tubes or whatever yeah like these rods that are yeah, definitely rods part is, of the gun i don't know why rods is the word i couldn't think of but, <laughs> but like you're like launching these like uranium rods it's it's really really impressive and and i love that the is more story but i love that the the gun might also be excalibur and all this and it's just like it forms itself to whoever's using it as just this really cool piece of of both story and game that you get to control and upgrade as you go. And the mods are all super interesting. You get so many of them there. Well, that's the thing with the mods. I think the mod system's a bit much. I just felt like I was constantly breaking down mods. <laughs> they don't give you enough space for your mods for sure. And I, I just wish that there were less mods that felt more meaningful rather than just like, you know, 10% of this, 12% of this. I don't know. I wish they were more, I wish they were a little more impactful. There are a couple that are definitely useful, but then, yeah, there's a lot like 10% launch if you seize somebody and 10% seize if you reload faster or, or something like that. And it's just, I'm always deleting them because you only have 24 and it's every few enemies drop it. You There's so many loot crates and it's just like, I need more space for this. And also this kind of sucks. Or even <laughs> if you could stack mods would be nice too. Yeah. Yeah, I just wish there were less. <laughs> <laughs> so... I guess we'll go into gameplay first. We kind of already did it with the gun. So yeah, I was trying to go into it naturally. I felt like <laughs> <already> there. <laughs> what was your... We talk about mods. There's gun mods. There's also mods, personal mods, they're called, to mod up uh, your main character, Jesse Faden, as well. What, were, what was your kind of loadout? Do you remember? No, I don't. <laughs> uh, I know I used the, the charge was my gun of choice. Um, charge and then the scatter the shotgun -y one the shotgun scatter yeah, yeah. but no I, I didn't have like a mod loadout of choice or anything um i didn't really pay much mind to them honestly i was mostly um in 
in my personal mods, I was one health mod and then two launch efficiency mods just so I could keep on chucking things as much as I wanted to. So I did that. And then my main guns, I did grip. I did grip and the sh uh, shatter until I could only do the rocket launcher or until I got the rocket launcher. And then once I got charge, it was just charge and grip. Compelling podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so this is something I wanted to bring up to you is that this game feels like it was made because we had just done Avengers. I'm playing this game and I'm thinking this game is just a much better version of Avengers. The way it's set up with like a home base and your missions and your submissions and the way you level up your character, it almost seemed like it was made to be almost like a games as a service kind of mod. Like I think it would just blend well into that in terms of the way the mission structure and the leveling up and everything is set up. Um, I can't. I never. I didn't get vibes of that like at all when I was playing. Um, it might just because that's more in my head now, especially after doing Avengers. I know you have like your your quests that you could pick up, like you know your board countermeasures or whatever, like your board directives, whatever they call yep. them. But other than that, like no, I think this is a very story based play through the story kind of game. Like I don't see a lot of. I mean, I could see how they could make it into a game as service with like, you know, you know, quote unquote strikes or whatever. But yeah, but no, I didn't get that vibe from this game at all. I'm okay. very, I'm very confused because <laughs> with the the board countermeasures, you had the what are they called the mission directives where they would pop up every hour or so and be like, all right, you have to go to this place right now to get this. The end game yeah, those, content those with were the, fun. the uh, jukebox. Um, what was the what jukebox? I don't remember the. There's a jukebox in the executive sector, and you can get tokens, and you get tokens from defeating some of the named characters, and you get tokens from, you can sell some of your elements when you have more elements than you need after you've upgraded your guns, and buy more tokens. You put in the ju jukebox, it plays a certain song, and you're transported into the quarry. Then there's three different difficulties of, of these missions each providing you with a different kind of armor set from the beginner to the absolute and infinite armor or mods rather. And you go through and you complete four different missions and each of the four missions as you do the levels, they get more difficult each time as well. Cool. But I'm playing that. And I'm like, well, that kind of seems like something that would be interesting to play with like another player. And just in general, like the fact that it had so much end game content that was like on an infinite amount of end game content just kind of made me think, this could be a games as a service. And it might also because I just really enjoyed control so much. I was like, I, I want to keep playing this game. I want some reason to always keep coming back to this game. And wouldn't it be cool if, you know, the house shifts, there's so much, this building is essentially an infinite building mm -hmm. and there are other dimensions and all this that they present. It's like, this would make a perfect games of service. And I know they want to do, then they have a multiplayer game coming out, which they say is playable. So I'm wondering if that's the remedy, uh, the quote unquote remedy versus the Alan Wake control game and it would be multiplayer they have a multiplayer game coming out i'm sorry they said they have a multiplayer working on three games one of them is the crossfire x single player mode okay i knew that one uh one of them's a multiplayer game that is finished to the point where it's playable and then there's a third game which they haven't said what that is but they have said one of their games they are making is another game in the alan wake control universe so i'm almost wondering if that could be the multiplayer game because i think parts of this really set it up for that i i, I love the game but i was almost more excited for the the continuation of that story through like maybe a multiplayer, multiple potential directors kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, no, I would love that. Um, it'd be interesting because I think the game has such a perfect balance right now, like throwing another person in 
seems like it would kind of need like a huge retooling to the entire like structure of the game, basically. Uh, but it would be fun to mess stuff up with your friends. So, <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> I think it would be cool. I, it's one of the thoughts I had while I was playing the game. And there are so many different aspects that I would like getting kind of Avengers and Destiny vibes a little bit. Obviously, the story is is the paramount, the first and foremost, the main thing in the game. I think the game did a really good job with making a game that was kind of Metroidvania style, much in the same way of like maybe Jedi Fallen Order, but also putting its own spin on it. I really enjoyed the way the the game world was and how it worked. The, same. Um, but would you consider this like a Metroidvania, really? I don't know. There are certain areas where you have to go back once you get your P6 card, but I never felt like I never felt like there was a moment where I was like, there were a couple moments where I was obviously like, all right, like in the maintenance sector, there's a lot of those kind of doors where I'm like, all right, later in the game, I'm sure I'll be able to go to this place and that place. But for the most part in the game, I'm just exploring, not realizing, oh man, I've missed this place. I could have gone, I can go here now. I wasn't able to go here before. Yeah, that's it. That's interesting. I don't really know. Does just having to back travel make a game a Metroidvania? I don't know. I don't know. I I don't know where the line is either. <laughs> <laughs> That's always what I think about. It, is I like guess being there, gated. I guess there are occasions where. Well, see, I don't think it's like having to go back to there. I think if you have to go back like with new abilities. Hmm. And once you get levitation, it's like, I don't, like, I don't, yeah, I don't want to count a key card as a Metroidvania. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, I got distracted in my thought. <laughs> um, there are a few areas you can't get to without levitation. Oh, but, but no, no, I, I, the world, the world you're talking about, the just, yeah. House, I, one thing that I absolutely love about the oldest house is I have never been in such a clearly signed world <laughs> like it's this huge sprawling house but like there's the sign posting in this game is phenomenal oh yeah like where am i trying to go i'm trying to go to this place here and then like the way the missions will actually tell you like the specific area you're trying to get to on your map and then you just literally can just follow signs like you really feel like you're navigating a building you've never been in like but it's so easy to know where to go yeah, it's it's really impressive, especially for certain sections of the house being very odd and very weird. It's still very much a real. It's both at the same time a living, creepy building, but also a 1960s aesthetic government office building that you believe people work in and, and go around from office to office that they would take the same route to get to, you know, investigative affairs as, as you do and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I love like the cafeteria areas and the just the working areas and all that. It's it's great. Yeah, and they, and I love all like the memos and everything. They do such a good job through with storytelling through like the environmental stuff just in the world. You know, I love that. Yeah, there's there's so much you can pick up that just builds on the universe because it's such a confusing. At first, such a it, it, even after you watch it, it's just such an an odd, confusing world that they exist in. Yeah, but it, and it, it really helps to color it and help you understand by just giving you more weird stuff. See, I don't, I don't think it helps you understand. I think it just keeps layering that <laughs> confusion on top. Like you're definitely someone who pays more attention to that stuff than I do when I play games, mm-hmm. when, when we play games. Um, so I'm sure like your experience playing control was much different than mine. 
where you were probably like, because I, I only had a one moment where I read like a memo about a globe, and then like later on in the game, I saw the globe. I saw the globe they were talking about, and I thought it was cool. But like, I feel like when you play a game, you're probably like, con- I feel like you probably picked up on like dozens of those little oh, things. Oh yeah, pretty much every everything you see going up to find your brother toward the end when you're in the um, panopticon. Panopticon has has memos that talk about the things. So I was like. Oh, that's the rubber duck. Oh, that's the pink flamingo. Oh, that's this and that. And I was just like, oh, that's so cool. And I really enjoyed looking at these things and having read the memos. And then there's the supplemental memo where they talk about don't touch it. Don't look at it. (laughs) (laughs) And I love the interpersonal memos that are just like, this guy's an asshole. Don't fucking do this. And just like all this kind of work stuff really shades it as this actual living, breathing department. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, they have a lot of classified words. <laughs> yeah, I thought that got a little ridiculous it, at times. It was too much. <laughs> it's like you clearly would understand the word or the word clearly didn't have to be redacted. And it's just like there are five words that fit in there. Come on. Well, I know early in the game there are, you know, uh, a couple memos saying don't use these words. So I, I wondered if those words on that list were actually the words that were being redacted. Oh, I don't remember that. If, memo. It, okay. if it wasn't so much actually like a classification thing or uh, if it was like a literally, Hey, we don't want to disturb any shit in this house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's, there's, there's a couple memos early that are like, some of them are just like words to use. Like when you're sending letters of letters, condolence, yeah. letters of condolence, but I feel like there were others that it was like, don't use these words. And then there's like a memo right at the beginning. that's like, do not bring these devices. That's yeah. And, right at the security. No cell phones, nothing. Cause they might explode in your pocket. <laughs> the oldest house doesn't like modern technology. Did you ever get an explanation as to why you can't bring number two pencils in? Cause I remember that was on the memo. No, you, you never get an explanation. I, I'd, I'd rather not have the explanation. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the oldest house as a place is great. And you know, I was thinking one of your complaints might have been, you know, it's always the same location. It's never like it's always an office building. But then, no, they, they do. Then the you job. go. Yeah, you go into the thresholds and you go into the Black Rock Quarry and the molds world for a little bit. And it's just really, really cool. Yeah, no, they do a great job uh, varying the environments while keeping it consistent to the house. Yeah. The one thing I would say about the game in terms of like repetitiveness, I think the enemies are the, a lot of the hiss are pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. Like there's the flying ones, the flying ones in a chair, which are the same thing, <laughs> the ground guys, the exploding guys, and then everything's just kind of a variation of the exact same thing. Yeah. No, the, the hiss in general just kind of suck, um, <laughs> but they're fun to kill. So They are fun to kill. Oh, they're just very, they're very plain in a game that's pretty interesting, mm-hmm. but I get that they're just taking over people. And then the expansions try to make use of, oh, creating new different types of hiss, but the expansions are a hiss that rushes you with a jackhammer or a, an axe or a, another hiss that flies but can throw stuff at you. But the other hiss that, or no, can fly but only throw rocket launchers at you. That's the same, that's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, mold, the mold enemies seem a little tacked on as well. I thought the whole mold section was a little kind of... Yeah, the mold was kind of throwing yeah. me off when I played. I remember that. Not, like, not really getting why we were getting into it, it just happened to be something going on in the house. It was like the writers were like, there's more than just the hiss. Weird stuff's always happening. Yeah, yeah. It it wasn't really related to the main story, though, right? No, I always thought it would link up, and it never did. They were literally their own bad guy from a different universe that was also invading and never really made a big deal out of it. Mm-hmm. So it's like every once in a while I have to destroy mold spores. I was like, all right. 
weird. I mean, it's neat that you see that other things are happening, but I felt like it kind of detracted from the main story a little bit. Yeah. Especially when you've already got the you've got the objects of power that already give you a little bit of a side story to go in anyway. Yeah, I would have liked if there were more objects of power though, because those were those were all fun little investigations. Yeah, I wouldn't even mind like. I don't see how it would be too hard to just add a couple of objects of power every couple of months. It'd be like five dollars. Here's a pack of three objects of powers that are sc- scattered around the oldest house, and they all do weird different things, but all within the framework they've already made for the game. That would be fun. Sure. Yeah. Like some some of them are just funny, like hunting down the the rubber duck who just quacks and laughs at you while you try to hunt it down. And other ones are like the refrigerator that bring you to this big monster. Yeah. Which we'll get into in the story a, a little bit later. But the flamingo. Did you do? You got the flamingo, right? That's a side mission, so you didn't have to do the flamingo. I think so. Then the flamingo is like one of the rooms in the uh, the clock the clock area where it's all clocks replicating themselves. It's all pink, and then you touch the flamingo and it expands the world and makes ripples that you have to jump over to get to it. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was really well done and really cool. A lot of those transformation things are just really impressive in the game. Uh, the TV that happens in the game before you get the levitate ability is really cool. Also, probably the hardest part in the game for me. No, the the anchor is the hardest part of the game. The anchor was really tough, too. The anchor took a while. Anchor sucked. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, those were the only two parts of the game that really gave me a lot of trouble. Uh, But even though I kept getting pissed off that I kept dying and stuff, I kept going back. It was still so fun to play. Like, the game feels so good that when you die, and it's so balanced, it's just like, it's my fault. I'm so powerful. It can't be the game's fault. (laughs) (laughs) What was your favorite? mission in the game gameplay wise like mini game or or anything that you did that you like remember that you'll remember the most when you play control um obviously the ashtray maze is like the standout moment of the game like as far as like story beats and everything though like i wasn't super in love with any of the story stuff in this game so nothing really like stands out as like a cool as cool moments, it, it's always just kind of trippy and weird, mm-hmm. which isn't really my thing at all. So I'm going to go with the ashtray maze. I'm going to, I'm going to take the easy way out. <laughs> <laughs> the ashtray maze is definitely really cool. The, the music blaring and you just wrecking all the hiss and the world just shifting so much more than usual. Yeah. It's tough to, it's tough to top the ashtray maze really. No, th- there is no topping it. I mean, that's definitely the moment. <laughs> I do really like the mirror world. Yeah, Mirror World was cool. Because I didn't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just... The game isn't like a horror game. But it's it's got a huge creep factor. And some of that's bolstered by just the chanting from the floating uh, employees all over the place. Yep. Uh, but when you go into the Mirror World and it's just a lot more quiet and a lot darker. And you don't know what's going to happen. And there's all these mannequins all around you. It really kind of gave me this real big sense of unease that... Like anything could happen. And then I fought myself and it was really easy, but <laughs> I thought that was a really cool moment in the game. I didn't think that fight was that easy. I remember, no. I remember dying a handful of times. See, as soon as I, first thing I did was just made my launch powers up to 100% and I murdered everyone. But by the time I played, I got the ability to launch three objects, which I guess is you only got with this latest expansion. So I'm playing the original game, which wasn't made for that with the ability to throw three objects. So I'm, wrecked everything <laughs> word i also enjoyed the outfits though speaking of the mirror because you can get the outfits from there i thought that was a neat little 
little thing. I, I didn't really wear any of them, but I thought it was cool to have. I feel like there should have been more outfits. Like you don't get, you have this as an option the whole game and there's just never another outfit there <laughs> until so late. <laughs> yeah. It takes a long time. I ended up getting a, getting a pretty good handful of outfits though. It's only like three or four, I think. I got two suits. Obviously the main jacket, the asynchronous suit, the explorer suit, and the janitor outfit. So I got six, I think. Are any of those DLC? No. I know PlayStation got two exclusive suits. We're we're playing on the Xbox. PlayStation got two pre-order suits. Uh, one of them is this really cool futuristic armor that looks like Mass Effect armor uh, that I was a little jealous we didn't get. <laughs> uh, and I didn't, uh, or at least I don't remember what the other one I got was. Yeah, but it was a nice touch. I like that at the end of the game when you're the director, you jump back into the game and you're in this director outfit. That's how I play the game now. I'm doing all the DLC and the extra missions and stuff like that. I think that was really cool. The other thing I'm really impressed about in the game is the graphics. I think the graphics are really, really well done. Um, Not just the graphics, but also the physics of the world. Yeah, well, the, the physics are phenomenal. I mean, just using your control powers to pull things to you and launch them away, like, and just when you dodge, like everything just feels awesome. <laughs> yeah, it feels real. It feels like there's weight to it. Mm-hmm. I love being able to pull something and it's behind a bad guy and they just, they did die and I didn't even mean to throw it yet. Yeah. And some of the glass walls that you have to use your um, melee power, your force push essentially, and the window shatters and the metal actually bends toward where you're pushing, I thought was really impressive. Mm-hmm. The reflections in the wall, the different kind of texture. I remember, and you're going you're gonna to hate me for saying this because you hate when I do this stuff. There's a, there's a room where you're, there's a, Adi's, Adi's, uh, the janitor's big corkboard where he has missions for you. If you turn the camera to kind of close up on the corkboard, the thumbtacks that are just little colors, you can actually see that they're actually three-dimensional objects on the corkboard. And I thought that was like, why? Who's doing that? I wasn't even doing that to see the corkboard. I was doing that to try to just turn around and see behind me just because I heard Adi. I thought he was behind me. And I'm like, oh, crap, they, they actually put thumbtacks in this for no reason. It could have just been a 2D image. And they really put a ton of detail into something like that small. It's real cool, man. <laughs> Again, I, I thought you'd have that. <laughs> <laughs> just all of it is just the, the amount of papers and the amount of crap that's in each office that when you push and explode, it all goes everywhere. I it's, love when you dodge into like the cement walls and they just shat, they you know, they'll kind of like crumble apart. Yeah. Yeah. It's got somewhat destructible physics and stuff like that, which is really neat. I remember I was going toward the hotline and I was um, using the, the for the, uh, the evade, evade power to go faster, like a boost and the wood paneling came off the walls. And I was like, Oh, the board's not going to like that. <laughs> so you slowed down and walked. No, I kept going. Okay. Good I, I wrecked that good, place. <laughs> good for you. But yeah, I, I think the graphics are, amazing and i'd be very interested to see i almost when i was buying the two expansions bought the ultimate edition but then i, I thought but i thought it was 15 dollars cheaper than what it actually was i thought it was uh like 35 dollars, and i was like oh it's only five dollars more than these two expansions and i was like oh wait that says 45 abort mike abort abort stop <laughs> but i almost did it but i'd be i'd wonder how much better the game could look on series x because or ps5 because it looks so great right now the load times would almost certainly improve because the load times are a little much right now. But other than that, this game is really fantastic looking. And I think it'll hold up for a long time. 
yeah, I know it's it's a good looking game. I'm sure it'll look better with ray tracing and blah blah blah. <laughs> that I was speaking about ray tracing. That is one of my complaints about the game and the graphics. Is there are some areas that are supposed to be dark, but they're so dark you can't see anything other than maybe the highlighted objects that are around you. And I thought that was a little a little too much. And I get that some areas should be creepy, but that was to the point of just I can't see. Yeah, I I play most games with brightness set higher than you're supposed to. Mm-hmm. Um, not really sure why I do it. It's just always been what looks better to me. <laughs> um, I don't remember ever having that issue. It doesn't happen often, but there were a couple of times. There's a lot of times in the Alan Wake expansion where obviously light is a factor. Mm-hmm. So that that was fine. But in the main game, there were a couple of moments where I was just like, this isn't supposed to be dark because that's a tape recorder right there I'm supposed to play. But I can only tell that because it's highlighted and I'm in this room. Sorry, bud. Yeah, it was whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, gameplay wise, like we pretty much covered most of the gameplay. I, I'd say the bosses are pretty fun for the most part. I was a little surprised there was really no last boss. Yeah, it was kind of anticlimactic. But I, I kind of like it that way because I like that she's not just going to beat up on her little brother. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Uh, but I did I did find that surprising that there was no big final boss. I mean, I fought a worm in a fridge that was a side mission and I'm not fighting any kind of creature at the end. Yeah, I thought when she went to cleanse him that like something would come out of him that you would fight. But Nope. <laughs> nope. I do like that when you see him later in the game after you beat the game and the credits roll, he's lying down on the hospital bed after you do a couple missions. It's almost like a couple weeks have gone by and he's got hair and a beard. Huh. <laughs> so I was like, oh, that's cool. So I wanted to see if he had, if he woke up or there's more to see for him after I beat all the single, the uh, non-expansion stories. But he's just got a beard. Is he <laughs> in the DLC at all? No. No. Nope. Control 2, I guess. <laughs> womp womp. Uh, yeah, you got anything else to add gameplay-wise? Nah. All right. Then let's get into this story. So I, I take talking it about you, the story. <laughs> you don't like the story much. No, I have no I don't dislike it. It's just I don't know, weird like weird trippy stories don't really do anything for me. I, I don't like supernatural really. It's just never been my thing. I don't like when you're weird for weird sake, because I'm always trying to figure out like why things are happening the way they are. When the truth is, there is no reason. It's just because they think it's cool to be weird. <laughs> uh, objects gain power because like, of our perception of the objects, Dave. That's <laughs> like, I, I like the way they tried to rationalize a lot mm-hmm. of the stuff in that way. Yeah. Just like supernatural in general, though. Like, it's weird because I love sci fi so much. And supernatural is just like unexplained sci fi in a lot of ways. So you think I'd be into that. Yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah, but think about it. You've never really been into vampires or werewolves or any oh, that no. kind of stuff. Fuck that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it is weird that they're so like closely related in a lot of ways, like in a lot of what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. But something about something about like supernatural stuff just complete turnoff for me. Like angels and demons and that stuff. Ugh. No, so, no thanks I know you're not a big fan of Twin Peaks but I've never really asked do you not like the X-Files either I haven't really watched much of it um, I know there's aliens involved in it so I'd probably be cool with it. <laughs> but there's also a lot of supernatural stuff in other episodes I'll just watch the alien episodes <laughs> I think there's a, like a list of like mythology based episodes where you can basically skip all the non ones hmm. but yeah 
But I think this game does a really good job of being like definitely an homage to the kind of serious, creepy, supernatural stuff of X-Files, but also the really out there, weird, parallel universe, gods kind of half funny, half just really theoretical stuff of like Twin Peaks. And I think they do a good job of blending that, but making it all their own as well. And the weird memos you get at the beginning of the game and, and throughout the game really help to not explain the objects that much, but help to, like you said, it's always going to be weird, but it also like at, at some point you just are so like on board with it that you're just like, all right, I, I, I kind of get it now. Mm-hmm. So first it's like they're throwing out all these terms at you and you're just like objects of powers and AWEs and paratutilitarians. You're just like, what? what? <laughs> and it's part of the reason I, I was only like an hour into the game. Apparently I thought it was way further, but I was playing the game and I was just like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. <laughs> I'm, I'm restarting. <laughs> I'm shocked. You only had played for an hour originally. I thought I was way further. And then I was playing, I reset it, started playing and I got back to the point I was not far after. And I was like, Oh wow. Did you not even have like the throw and everything? I had throw at its most basic, but I didn't have levitate. I didn't have any of that yet. Mm. I was dealing with that in the maintenance sector. Uh, I had just stopped um, the first flying guy you meet, the uh, old security director. Tomasi. Tomasi, yeah. That was that was where I stopped the game. Yeah, I honestly don't know because we looked at the release dates. There were no games around that time coming out, so I don't know why I stopped, but I just stopped playing. Well, and playing again, I'm like, why did I stop playing? Because I want eight more expansions to this <laughs> game. Like I really enjoy the universe. I really enjoy the world building. I will say that the main story of the game, the Jesse Dillon stuff, it all comes out at the end. You don't get much of a story for most of the game. No, and even at the end, it's... You, told in memos, and you don't have to know you, it. <laughs> you've, well, you've been playing for so long that like you're interested in what's happening, and it's you get excited at the end just because it's like, oh, they're talking about me. You know, like <laughs> because so much of the game is like told in very vague ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's exciting when it's like you're listening to audio recordings of you with your therapist or, you know, of Dylan and in interviews and stuff. It's like, oh no, these are these are actually the characters. I'm not just going to destroy some mold or to talk to some robot board of directors or whatever the hell's going on there. Um but none of it's particularly interesting. <laughs> See, I think if you read the memos about like what happened in Ordinary, which I like the ironic name of Ordinary. Oh, I know everything that happened in Ordinary. <laughs> I, I like the way that that actually almost seems like it would be a really good like Stephen King type novel. Like I'm reading that story going like I would read a novelization if somebody wrote that really well. Like that's a really cool, weird story that's almost like Stand By Me-ish a little bit. Yeah, I I, I saw it as like a like an 80s Spielberg movies, how I kind of read all of it. Yeah, I can see that too. Yeah. I think that would have been really cool. And there's so much more that they talk about in there. There's the mother, um, the anti-mother they call her or the not mother, not mother. Yeah. Who gave the milk to the bullies and they transformed. There's Neil, the, the dog. <laughs> Wasn't really a dog. Uh, would, I really thought we were going to see Neil. like to be a dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I thought all that was really, really cool. I was kind of sad that there's only one slide at the end. So you don't really get to see any of the other universes they went into. Mm. Dylan's a bit of a dick. <laughs> I don't know if he's always been a dick or if he went crazy or what. <laughs> yeah, it, it's the recordings. It's tough to see, but it seems like he turns on his sister pretty quick. But that also could be the 
Because Dylan's uh, Jesse's brother and the Federal Bureau of Control, after what happened in their town when they were little, took Dylan to become a possible director. But essentially, he was a lab rat for most of his life. Mm-hmm. And he started to become hateful toward Jesse for never coming to rescue him. But I don't know. He just seems really mean and mad the whole way through until he's infected with the hiss and he's talking to you all calm. <laughs> yeah, no, he, I don't, I don't know. None of them are particularly interesting to me. <laughs> uh, you know, a lot of the, and a lot of the game is really weird, but the Polaris stuff I thought was very vague. You Even, never really get any end. sort of resolution with it, right? No, it's just like, oh, well, so you're not the HRA. You're not the, the Hadron, which is this thing that has been protecting everybody from the hiss. She's Polaris, who's this voice in Jesse's head, who you never really hear. It's only she hears her. Is this other entity all along who comes from one of the other slide universes, but you never really understand Wait, what she is. Polaris is not inside the Hedron? No. Which is why when the Hedron dies, Jesse gets all afraid. The Hedron was, I guess, boosting Polaris, Polaris's power. And so Jesse thinks Polaris is dead, gets infected by the hiss, but then Jesse finds Polaris within her anyway. So Polaris was still alive the whole time. Gotcha. Yeah, I was a little bit lost there at the end. It gets it gets very confusing. I remember, yeah. I remember Darling saying, like, the Hedron isn't the source, it's the catalyst. But I was confused about all of it. <laughs> yeah. So the way I figured it, like way after that scene happened, was that the Hedron is a different creature who is making Polaris more powerful, but Polaris is the one saving everybody in reality. Weird. And that way the HRA still work when they kill the Hadron and why Polaris saves Jesse. But it's all very, very vague and very weird. And so is the astral plan. But I do like the board of directors. I like the way that they speak in the, uh, the, the slashes so that there's always a double meaning, but you get to read the double meaning behind everything they say. Mm-hmm. And that really bleeds into some of the expansions, which I know you didn't play or watch any of the foundation. But essentially the foundation is this cave where there's a pillar which is basically the start of the whole oldest house, I guess. And they call it the nail and it's been destroyed by the hiss or by Marshall who's been affected by the hiss. And the whole time you keep getting visited by the former, which is that worm entity that was in the fridge and is in a couple other missions. And the former actually helps you out. And you're at the beginning chose, gets to choose one power, make crystals or destroy crystals. And those are your two powers. And the former goes, no, 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 go back in. Go get a second power. The board's holding you back. They're, they're keeping stuff from you. And the board's like, no, no, we're not. Don't talk to the former again. You know what? You can have that second power because we let you have that second power because we like you, hate you. <laughs> uh, and the former talks about how its child is missing and the former was actually part of the board that got kicked out. So the board might have ulterior motives and Jesse decides as director to not follow the board as closely as uh, Northmore who came before Trench who's the director before you come in and Trench who got infected by the hiss. They're both relig- they were both religiously pro-board only. Mm-hmm. Jesse's like, mm, the board's got powers, but they definitely don't give a fuck about any humanity, any of humanity. Yeah, even in the even in the main game, the board talk about like how there was corruption on the board. Like you can they talk about even the board talks about conflict on the board, at least it's in some point during the Yeah, game. they do, yeah. I don't remember specifically where or what, but but I do like those moments in the astral plane. I think those are cool. And I like that the board is this omniscient like entity, this, this thing that you can't possibly 
understand or see or control or contain. And then there's the Alan Wake expansion, which throughout the game, there's a couple of hints of Alan Wake. So you realize that Alan Wake was a para-utilitarian like yourself. He was supposed to be P5, I think they say. Uh, I don't know which P he was, but I know he was a possible director candidate. Yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, after the end of Alan Wake, he jumps into the lake, which is actually a threshold to another world and has been lost. But there is an evil Alan Wake somewhere around as well, which is very Twin Peaks. Of course which there is. Twin Peaks. <laughs> uh, so in the expansion, deals with none of that. Alan Wake guides you into this new sector. And you learn that he can kind of communicate with the outside world, but is being trapped by another writer filmmaker possible version of him who you see notes of in the original Alan Wake game but that's probably three minutes of the expansion and the rest of it you're just hunting down one of the bad guys from Alan Wake who's a psychiatrist who is taking advantage of other peri-utilitarian artists and he's become infected by the shadow and uh, the hiss so he's a super monster and you're hunting him down do you save Alan Wake? nope <laughs> <laughs> you just you Go through three different sectors, turning all the lights on, and the lights have gone out in that sector to the point where the monster has no place to hide. So it just fights you in the light, and he's weakened, so you can actually kill him. And then a computer turns on in the investigative sector that says there's an event happening in Bright Falls, which is where Alan Wake took place, but a couple years in the future. Mm. And somehow they're getting that report now. So it's clearly Alan Wake's breaking out. And Alan Wake, it seems, is trapped in the Overview Motel. Or the Ocean View Motel. Hmm. But that's that's pretty much it. So I was a little disappointed that the whole expansion is something that's just hinting that, yeah, Alan Wake was part of this. It's almost like tacked on, like, oh, everybody got real excited that we hinted at Alan Wake. Let's make something real quick. Well, I mean, but never he really was, had an idea. They didn't really just hint at him. He was in a lot of the memos. He was, yeah. Or it, maybe not Alan Wake specifically. They definitely talk about him in the memos, but like Bright Falls gets mentioned a lot and that's his place right is yeah Falls. they do a lot of history with bright falls too they're going back to like the 60s and 70s mm. yeah a lot a lot of the symbols on the doors in the ocean view motel which i believe was in alan wake as well are from the alan wake oh, was game. it the, the ocean view motel was in alan wake i believe so i have to go i wanted to go back and play before we did this but i didn't have the time mm. but i still might but we'll see how long crash takes me <laughs> i do want to go back and play it again because it's been a long time uh but it is very interesting that they hint at a larger world than Alan Wake, but never really go into it. And Control really does tie very nicely into the weirdness that is Alan Wake, where they never explained anything. And it's almost like Control is the X-Files of Alan Wake's Twin Peaks, whereas Twin Peaks was like weird and never going to explain it. And X-Files was like, we're going to explain it and not be as weird. That's kind of like how the two work. But I am interested to see where the story goes because there's a lot of places you can take it. And interested to see if the next game is going to be like a third character, something completely different, or an Alan Wake control crossover completely, or just more of Jesse's story. Yeah, I'd be curious what they do as well. I guess it depends on what kind of game they want to make, you know? Because Alan Wake doesn't have like really powers or anything, right? He's very powerless. Anything he writes becomes real. That's one of his powers. And he basically creates, makes the flat. Um, no, the flashlight was always everyone. The light was always working for everybody. Yeah. He doesn't really have powers other than he can control objects of power, but doesn't realize it. And he doesn't really remember the events of Alan Wake. It doesn't seem 
in the few scenes you see him. So he might still not know he can do that. Gotcha. But I could see continuing Jesse's story as the director. Yeah. I mean, I think there's Jesse would be a fantastic character to play as again. Um, if they wanted to do like the more superhero thing, Alan Wake is like a, it's not like survival horror, but it's like survival thriller, right? It's like, I guess it's, I haven't played much of it, but I guess it's like dead space where it's like definitely action, but it's really creepy. There's a lot of, you got to shine the flashlight on the guys to weaken them. Kind of like Luigi's mansion. <laughs> and then you got to, okay. <laughs> uh, then you got to shoot them with, you know, regular guns or machine guns or shotguns or whatever like that. It's yeah. got a, it's got a spooky vibe, but it's not really horror. Like, like yeah. I think you could play that as opposed to like Resident Evil 2 is definitely, that's a horror game. This is really, it's an action game, but the bad guys are all shadow people. I'm standing by survival thriller. <laughs> that's a, that's a decent name for it. I'm standing by it. <laughs> Coin in terms. <laughs> I also, we didn't really get into Jesse's character, but I really like how okay with everything she is and how kind of. She's having fun. Like, even though it's she's trying to get her brother back, she's kind of having fun. And she thinks everything is awesome. Yeah, but I really didn't like the one time where she said it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> when, we, when you get out of the ashtray maze and she goes, that was awesome. I was like, yeah, but shut the fuck up. <laughs> uh, but no, like she for as weird as everything's getting, she's always kind of light about it. She's a she's a cool character. Yeah. Well, you would think that she'd be like, I don't. Like she does say, I don't want the director job. I don't want to be responsible for people. But I think she really likes being the director and having those powers and the responsibility anyway. Yeah, I just don't feel like you. That's part of what I don't like about this game story wise. I feel like you don't really get to know the characters all that well. Like. I couldn't tell you anything really about Jesse's personality. The only, the only character you really learn about is Darling. And I don't think he gets like. Enough at the end, I, I've was kind of disappointed with what you get with him. I mean, I, well, I love what you get with him, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the guy who portrays him, the, cause there's a lot of live action video. Mm -hmm. He's a fantastic actor. I think that's actually Sam Lake. I think it's the, the writer of the game, right? Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I think so. I mean, I don't, don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure. That'd be neat. I like his music video. At yeah. The that's, that's what I, mean, <laughs> why I love what you get from at the end. <laughs> but, um, I think that the darling videos are like story wise. They're the story highlight of the game. I love watching him like trying to like explain, you know, whatever he's trying to explain, you know, in whatever video. Yeah. Um, but there is like just awkward enough to where I love it. <laughs> they're not, but they're not too awkward. Like the two random people that are just like cut to for no reason in every video or not everyone, but most of them. What I love is there's a memo where the guy talks about how, yeah, like pointless like, they are there, but he well, likes he, the girl. He's like flirting with. with the girl, yeah. yeah. Which there is a video of that where he's just kind of like looking at her and then she walks away and he's just like smiling like <laughs> all. Like, <laughs> what do you think of the Threshold kids? Weird. <laughs> I think they're the scariest thing in this game. I just didn't understand what it was for. There's an, uh, there is a memo later in the game. The Threshold kids are finger puppets that yeah. talk about. They're yeah. basically like a kid's <laughs> program that talk about life in the oldest house, uh, but they're done really creepy. Like David Lynch style. And there's a memo where a psychiatrist who's been working with uh, Dylan says, you know, kids need TV. They need Sesame Street and programs like Lamb Chop that help them teach them the world. Maybe we should develop a show that teaches people about kids about the oldest house. Dylan's not the only kid we have in this place, which is true. They hint that there's a, a few other kids as well. And so I was like, I can do a show. I can write it. I took a puppetry class in uh, 
<laughs> in junior college so I can make the puppets and we can get the staff to voice the characters. And that's the show they came up with. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, but I think they're really off-putting, but kind of funny in a really scary, uncomfortable way. Thrown into the show. Yeah, they definitely made me uncomfortable. I didn't think they were really funny, though. I just thought they were, like, creepy. <laughs> <laughs> they Definitely, definitely creepy. I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, no, I I think it's a really fantastic game. Yeah, um, I mean, I, we can go into but, it for another hour if we went through every different object of power but for the most part this is a good for like an overview yeah no i i I think it's a fantastic game i don't think there's i just don't think there's a ton to talk about with the game like i feel like it's a game you really need to play to to appreciate oh yeah if anybody who hasn't played this and listening to the podcast i mean hopefully we sold them on the gameplay is really fun but story-wise they're we're just confusing people yeah that's what i mean if if you don't play it yeah, you can't explain this game. Yeah, it's very, very odd. But they, they definitely do a good job trying to make it feel like a real a real world that has all this weird fucking shit in it. Right. <laughs> um, it's, de- it's definitely, definitely worth the play. Absolutely. I'm very excited to see where they take the sequels. I really hope it's the multiplayer game, but I mean, I'd be cool. Obviously, Remedy makes amazing single player games. Uh, if you want to try it on Xbox Series X or PlayStation 5, you can buy the Ultimate Edition. Makes me even more excited for Crossfire X, I'll say that. To play in this reminds me of like how good Remedy games are. It's been a while since I had played one all the way through, and it's just like, that, that could be something, something sure, good. Sure, yeah, I'll, I'll play it. <laughs> <laughs> so that was post-game, presented by Two Player Bros on Control. Dave, what are we doing next week? Are we doing a post-game or are we doing a news episode? I think we're supposed to do a news episode. All right, we'll stick with the news. We have to we have to get back to our rhythm. Our <laughs> rhythm, yeah. All right, then. We'll see you next week for a news episode of Two Player Bros. And then the week after, we're going to do a post game on Crash 4. It's about time. And it'll be about time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's it. Until next time, I'm Mike. That's Dave. Stay Bye, safe. Everybody. Keep on gaming. <laughs> <laughs>